Welcome to Wellness Rebranded. We know there is so much conflicting health and fitness advice out there. And you're tired of the wellness fads, endless diets, and impossible standards that make you feel like nothing you do is ever enough. You're ready to tune into your mind and body and feel empowered around health. We're the Healing Trio, here to help you redesign your relationships with food, fitness, and yourself. I'm Elizabeth, registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. I'm Maria, licensed mental health therapist. And I'm Tara, personal trainer. Together, we're changing the narrative on health away from diet culture, hustle culture, and toxic positivity and towards healthful self-care. So grab your water bottle, get ready to laugh, learn, and grow. And and let's let's start rebranding your wellness journey. got a really important and free 10-day video series that I want to tell you about. It's called Informed, Diet Culture Truth Bombs You Need to Know Before Changing a Thing About Your Eating in January. Every year I see the same flashy and misleading diet culture marketing preying on people's insecurities as we head into the new year. I see well-meaning eaters falling into the same restrictive food traps again and again, jumping into programs and approaches that not only don't solve, but actually worsen their eating struggles and relationship with food in their bodies. And I think, if only they could know some key facts about dieting, food restriction, and what is and isn't likely to work when it comes to supporting their eating, health, and well-being before committing to a single change. Well, now you can. In a 10-day series of short, I'm talking five minutes or less videos, I'll be pulling back the curtain on the most important information you need to know to make a fully informed decision about how to best approach your eating, health, and well-being in 2024. Just visit my Health and Healing with Intuitive Eating community on Facebook or send me an email at livehealthy at elizabethharrisnutrition to join. The link to my email will be in the show notes. I can't wait to see you there. Welcome back to another episode of Wellness Rebranded. We are so super duper excited here today. I feel like we often call our guests special. This guest is extra special, especially to me. Her name is Brianna Campos. She is a mental health therapist and body image coach. I've had the privilege of working with her personally. Based in New Jersey, she's the founder of Body Image with Brie. She's passionate about all things body image and practices through the lens of health at every size and intuitive eating. Utilizing a weight-inclusive approach, she combines her clinical skills and lived experience to teach others how to maneuver through their own individual body image exploration. She specializes in body image education, including her unique framework on body creep. Welcome, Brie. Hello, thanks for having me. I think I need to update my bio because (laughs) while it's true, like, and I definitely say I would, I'm a weight inclusive approach. I definitely say I'm probably more fat positive now than maybe when I started. Okay. Awesome. Thank you for um, adding in that little addendum. So, oh my gosh, we have so many things that we want to talk to you about, but let's just start off by getting you to kind of do really introduce yourself and tell us what, as we were chatting before, what does it mean to be a body image coach and how did you get into this line of work? Uh, I would love to talk about this. So um, I, I had, had mentioned, you know, just throw in the part that I'm also a trained mental health counselor because most people are like, what, what's a body image coach? <laughs> what, what do you do with that? And so essentially when I was doing therapy, my favorite soulmate dreamy clients were the ones that wanted to talk about body image, were the ones that were like, I am tired of hating my body. 
and I want to dig into it. And I'd be like, yes, this is my favorite part. And so I've started just focusing on working with clients on body image. And so I began identifying as a body image coach so that hopefully I could attract those who wanted to do that work. And so essentially I love working with people who are tired of hating their body, who have tried to manipulate their body size their entire life or have been told, this is the only way you will improve your body image and and finding a different way, finding a way to have a peaceful relationship with the body that you have without needing to change the size that you are. I love that. And why do you think you love body image work so much? Because of my own lived experience. I, I was thinking about this recently too, of when I was in what I call body grief, which we'll get into today, I felt very alone. I felt so sad and hopeless. And I remember looking up on Instagram, like body image coach, and it didn't exist. There was no community for somebody who was like, I want to work on my body image, but I also don't want to actively lose weight. Like I want to try to make peace with my body now. I would say now I think there's a lot more resources, which makes my heart so happy. I think it's absolutely phenomenal. But yeah, I I I was I always say that I was my first client that I figured if I can figure out how to heal myself, I will be able to help other people. So Brie, when you it caught my attention when I read about acceptance through grief, what does that mean exactly? Yeah, so I I have a working definition for body grief. When you look up the definition of grief in the dictionary, uh, the definition is deep sorrow. And when you look up the definition of sorrow, it's defined as loss that causes distress. And I think a lot of times people think grief means death. And, and that's actually really more bereavement. Bereavement is death and dying. Grief is loss that causes distress. So my working definition for body grief is the perceived loss that causes distress accompanied with one's body changing. And the reason that definition is so expansive, I'll read it again. (laughs) Body grief is the perceived loss that causes distress accompanied with one's body changing. Is body grief can be found in multiple times in a person's life. Not just when somebody acknowledges I'm on my intuitive eating journey and the reality is I'm probably going to gain weight instead of you know, you might lose weight, you might gain weight. No, you're probably going to gain weight. Majority of the people who are on an intuitive eating journey are going to heal into a bigger body. But it's also can work for somebody who develops a chronic illness and there's a change in their body. And now there's a there's a, a lack of trust or there's a even further distrust in their body. This definition of body grief can be expansive to somebody who's aging. This can be from somebody who's in puberty to somebody who's experiencing, you know, menopause or perimenopause. Body grief can be experienced for somebody who experiences gender dysphoria and does not feel safe or aligned in their body. And so I think the definition of body grief is expansive. Uh, What I have found is when working with my clients of just being able to name it, has given it power of if I can name what I'm experiencing, that there is distress or loss that causes distress. 
if I can name it, there's power in it and it gives me footing so I can begin to move through. This is so impactful, Brie, because you were talking and I thought about the aging was the first one for me. And then the change in your body after you have kids, Correct. your body changes. And I found myself yes. many times thinking, oh my goodness, where's my, or seeing photos of me before I had kids. And I'm like, look at that body, right? It, it's yeah. a different one. Yeah. And I call maybe, that picture grief when you look at photos and you're like, oh, I miss yeah. that version of my body. And then what happens is we 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 get gaslit by society that the the healing bomb should be. But but this body had kids and it's such a surface level, you know, like I call it silver lining sympathy. It mm -hmm. doesn't actually meet the wound of, hey, you're experiencing distress because your body's changing. Can we, without trying to fix it, just acknowledge that this is uncomfortable right now? And that the healing doesn't mean going back to that body or similar to that body. Healing is that acceptance that and you talk about and naming the grief, the loss of something yes. that you had before that you don't have anymore and is causing distress or negative self-talk or, right. you know, that shame or whatever it is. But Healing is not that I'm going to look, it's the impossible same. simply to look the same because my body has right? evolved in different ways. It also doesn't mean that you have to like it. It doesn't mean that it's like, I'm going to love that my, you know, thighs jiggle or that, you know, like it doesn't mean that I have to love it. And I think that's the other toxic body positivity narrative that we hear all of the time is that we're on this destination for body love. And then we'll hear things like body neutrality. And I really struggle with the concept of body neutrality because how can you be neutral about something you've hated for so long, right? I, there's not many things in my life where I was like, I actually hate this and now I'm neutral towards it. Um, I, I would say for me, and, and this is why this is such a personal journey, is each individual person is going to find healing. Your healing is going to look different from my healing, is going to look different from Tara's healing, is going to look different from Elizabeth's. Like our healing is individual and acceptance is going to look individual for each of us. But acceptance for all of us does not mean you have to like it and does not mean you have to go backwards. Brie, I'm so glad you brought that up because I know when I was thinking about this podcast today, the terms like fat positive, body positive, weight neutral, and like weight inclusive get muddy for me. Can you like dive into that a little bit? Yeah. And 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 let's let's be clear. The reason that all of these terms are muddy is because there's no like it's not it, 10 years ago, this wasn't Googleable, right? Like the only idea we had of like body positivity was probably like Melissa McCarthy because she was the only fat actress that most of us were familiar with. And so, you know, when you look now and it's like you have so much fat positive representation, I think that there, there are, there's a lack of definitions. But for me, the reason I even included of saying, you know, I'm not just weight inclusive is that I'm fat positive is because I really want people to accept, and I, I'll use this term in my community, but like enthusiastic consent. Like I want us to be enthusiastic about body changing, not just like, it's fine, I'm tolerating it. When I think about the tolerating relationships I have in my life, it's like, 
when I have to make a return and the person on the phone is not being intelligent, I am tolerating of that relationship. That is not the relationship that I want to have with my body. The relationship I want to have with my body, the relationship I want to have with myself is the one I have with my niece where I am so excited to see her that like my entire soul lights up of like, yes, this is one of my favorite people. We don't start there. And so I think that is where the neutrality comes in is how do I bridge the gap from being like, I am the person on the telephone that I don't really care for, but I'm also not the person that's my favorite person to be in the room. That's where that that like sea of neutrality is. Jesse Nealon is a phenomenal resource. I really love their definition of body neutrality. And so I definitely recommend uh, them as a resource because I don't think it really comes from, you know, just again, being being neutral. Like I, I'm I'm sitting in my my newly painted office. My office is pink. I am not neutral about the color pink. I am, however, wearing a yellow sweater. I'm very neutral about the color. Like it doesn't excite me. It doesn't, it doesn't really do much for me, but I love the color pink. You can't ask me to be neutral about the color pink. Just like if I viscerally didn't like something, is it realistic to say I can be neutral towards it? And so I usually just tell people, stop being an asshole to yourself. Like that's how I would start instead of being neutral. Like, let's just not be mean to ourselves. If we can start there, can that bring us closer to neutrality instead of to from hatred? Yeah, that makes total sense. It's terrible that in society, like we've all been so trained to not be enthusiastic about our own bodies, you yeah. know? Yeah. Like we've, enthusiastic we've consent is like my new favorite term. <laughs> <laughs> we've been conditioned to hate our body. And so one of the things I'll have my clients think about is who profits from that? Like who profits from us being enthusiastically excited about our bodies, <laughs> not diet culture. Like diet culture is a 72 billion dollar industry during the pandemic when the world was shut down and some of us couldn't find toilet paper and many of us were losing our jobs the beauty industry pivoted and made over 500 billion dollars in 2020. so <laughs> to say that there's not somebody who's profiting from it and not acknowledging it would I would be remiss. And so I, this is the what I call like the conditioning of diet culture. If diet culture is a cult, it's not just like as easy as flipping a light switch and being like, oh, I'm not going to hate my body anymore. No, it's ingrained in us. It's ingrained in our DNA. And if you want to take it even one step further from a like clinical standpoint, look at our families, right? How many of us come from families who hate their bodies? This is not just a us issue. This is generations of body hatred that now we're like, oh, now I'm going to stop this. It's not that easy. That's one oh, of the so things I love the most about what Elizabeth does is I took her raising intuitive class like years ago when my son was like one. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I'm not perfect, of course, but it definitely changed the way I look at feeding him. Um, yeah. so I'm hoping that I can kind of like break this cycle with my family and yeah. raise an intuitive eater who is completely like weight neutral and, you know, fat positive, whatever. I love that. I think one of the things you said, Brie, that really jumped out at me is, um, well, kind of pairing two things together, but one, 
we do see this happen in general generational cycles of body hatred and generational cycles of dieting. But I think that there are definitely a lot of people out there listening who maybe think, don't think of dieting as something you do to when you're engaging in body hatred, right? Mm. They think of that as some, as a way of actually taking care of your body. Yeah. Or getting healthier or actually like it could be an act of love, right. To do this thing. So can you help distinguish between that a little bit? Yeah. And you know, it's so when you, when you continue to heal and you're so distant from that, that version of yourself, it's like, oh yeah. Like I used to think that too. Like we're around the time of like new year, new you. And Again, that is diet culture's most prominent, profitable season, that there is this dopamine hit that somehow you're going to figure it out. All the other years, you had the wrong diet. You didn't have the support you needed. You didn't have this. You'll make these investments in yourself. People are going to congratulate you. And so then all of this stuff doesn't exist in a vacuum that you can begin to believe and gaslight yourself that this is for my health. And so what I would say to somebody is if you feel like I need to lose weight or I need to diet for myself, my I would ask yourself two questions. One, why do I believe this? What research or evidence supports this fact? A lot of times that's going to be your doctors, that's gonna be people in your life saying, well, this could be better if you lost weight. If you if you lost a little bit of weight, you know, th- this could improve. And I was just had lunch with a colleague and she goes, my, my favorite question to ask is how much weight? Like, what is the exact number that I need to lose in order to mitigate whatever symptom symptomology that you're recommending? And oftentimes they can't give you an answer, which tells us there isn't a causation, it is a correlation. And is it possible that there's something else that could improve health, improve this thing that is you're struggling with? that maybe body change is correlated to it, but maybe something else entirely is correlated to it. Uh, And then the second thing is, if I do this thing and my body doesn't change, let's say, right, this, you're on a health, a health journey and you do this thing and maybe your health increases, but your body stays exactly the same. Will it be worth it? Will you be okay if your body doesn't change? And for me, when I got to that point of realizing, no, like I am not like all of the things that I'm doing to quote unquote be healthy are not worth it if I'm not also gleaning the benefits of thin privilege. If I'm also still going to be fat, no, this isn't this isn't worth it for me. And then that's where I find most people meet grief is that they are oscillating between I I don't want to be on diet culture's boat anymore, but I am still afraid to quote unquote accept being in a larger uh, or fat body. And so we will sort of oscillate between two. And at one point, you have to shit or get off the pot, right? You have to, you have to decide. I'm either going to go back into dieting, and that is your autonomy, that is your right, or you're going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to let it go. When I use this analogy with people, if I want you to open your fist, right? And I want you to imagine that you have an open palm 
and let's say the desire for weight loss is important to you, that you really believe losing weight is an important thing for your health. What else is important? What else can we put inside of your hand and inside of your palm? If you keep a closed fist around weight loss, it does not create space for anything else. This is your only goal. But let's say, you know, you want to have a better body image. Let's say you want to be doing some fearless things like that you have normally kept yourself small to do of like, I'm not going to travel until I'm in a size acceptable body. I, you know, I want to get back into photos in the new year. I want to do all of these things. If you keep your palm open for your weight to do what it's going to do, what else can you gain from being open? Like, maybe I get to be in more pictures. Maybe I get to travel. Maybe I get to do the things. And, and this is the key, not without discomfort, not without it also being hard. But this is where you have the full right and autonomy to choose your heart because guess what? It's hard to diet. It's hard to, to stick to plans. There are parts that are easier when you're in community because people are being like, you're so good. I'm so proud of you. That edification feeds a part of our ego. That's like, right. See, I'm, I'm confirmed that what I'm doing is right. But then you go home and you're alone. You didn't eat at the party, but now you're home. And now all of the thoughts that that are consuming you, and then you find something else that'll consume you. And what if life could be bigger than what you're eating at a party or what you're not eating or, you know, like, and again, there's a struggle. There's a struggle. I, I still, I have to choose now. Okay. Do I want to risk being in this larger body, not being able to do the thing or just not going? And I will always choose to do the thing and risk not being able to do it and dealing with the outcome or the consequences of that because I believe that I can coach myself through a hurdle of like, okay, well, you did not fit. What What's coming up for you? What's the story you're telling yourself? How would you respond to somebody that you love? And it's probably with way more love, kindness, and compassion than I would probably respond to myself. But there are so many things in life that I missed out on that I don't get back, all because my entire focus was pursuing weight loss. Thanks so much for sharing that. That's really powerful. Speaking of aging, I actually have a free four-week workout plan that is tailor-made for women in perimenopause and menopause. There's a lot of uncomfortable symptoms during menopause, and while strength training doesn't address all the symptoms, it's as close to a magic pill as it can get. So I will link it in the show notes and you can download your free workout there and message me if you have any questions. I'd love to hear from you. Brie, if somebody is tired of hating their body, that stuck with me when you mentioned it at the beginning and they keep manipulating their body size, right? To reach whatever goal sounds doable or, or the right one at that moment. What will be, you think, one of the first steps to find a way to foster a peaceful relationship with their body, like you mentioned at the beginning. Yeah. And I think, again, it's going to look different for every person because, you know, you and I could be struggling with the same body image hurdle 
but our core belief, that core motivating thing that's keeping us doing this thing could be completely different. And so what I would say is if you want to begin to foster peace, and, and I want to just stress this, I understand what I'm about to say is so deeply unsexy. Like, I know people are like, wait, let me get my notepad. Like, it's not that sexy. You don't need to get out a notebook. <laughs> I'm preparing you to like, don't be as excited as you are. Because you're like, oh, but at least I'm being honest. Whereas like people are now like, we're like super excited. Have oh, you tried affirmations? It's like, oh, God, why didn't I think of that? No, no, no affirmations here. The, the first thing I'm going to I'm going to recommend is doing a reality test with yourself of, hold on, would I say this to someone I love or respect? When the words exit my mouth, is this kind? Is this how I would treat my child, my child's friend, my friend, my client? If the answer is no, what you're doing is not working. It's not ever going to bring you the results that you're hoping it will. So you have two choices. You can keep doing the thing that you're doing and not lead to a different result, or we can create a new neural pathway. Let me give you an example. I just recently switched over my clothes for the for the season. And honestly, keep going back and forth because I don't know what the weather is doing. I'm like, what? what is going on? Anyway, Changing over my clothes used to be so distressful to my body. Every time I would have to pull out my clothes, first of all, I would wait until probably like, I don't know, when it was too late, like now or December. And I'd be like, all right, fine. I'm going to take off my clothes. Um, and then I would do it and my clothes from last season wouldn't fit. And what would happen immediately I would experience what I call an oh shit moment where you just get that tightness in your chest and you're like, oh shit, oh no, like I, my clothes don't fit. If that is, if that, if you're listening to this and you're like, yep, that was me, there's a lot of things that are happening. The first thing we need to figure out is, do I have clothes that I can wear? Because if you don't have clothes that you can put on your body every single day that fit your body, then every single day you put on clothes that don't fit, you are going to be reminded of how uncomfortable you are in your body. So before we figure out why you got activated, before we figure out, you know, why every time you put on clothes or you try on clothes in your closet, you get activated. The first thing we need to do is figure out, do any of these clothes even work for me right now? I'm not asking you to figure out what to do with the clothes that don't fit. Nope. All we're going to do is do I have a few outfits that I can oscillate between that will fit this body? If not, can we get maybe one or two pieces of clothing that can fit this body right near right now so that we can get dressed every day without also being activated every day? I know, I know what people might be thinking. There are some narratives that might be going off like, I don't have the money to spend on clothes. I don't want to spend money on new clothes every season. I get it. I get it. And two questions. If you had lost weight, would you be willing to buy new clothes? And if the answer is yes, oh, yes. what that like such a thing. It tells me that you would believe your body is more worthy of buying new clothes if it had gotten smaller. That's such a powerful thought. And sucks at the same time. 
<laughs> that too. <laughs> and so the second thing is, if you're like, no, but yes, I really would not be able to buy new clothes. Would you be resourceful? Would you figure out how to make your big clothes fit your current body? If I could not buy clothes, I would say, all right, what can I sell on Poshmark? And what can I share? Is there a, a Facebook group that I can get involved with? With Let me just try to find clothes that are a little bit bigger than this body. If it's really about accessibility. What I will say is that most times the clients that I deal with, it's not an accessibility issue. It's a worthiness issue of this body is not worthy of new clothes. We don't want to worry about next season. We don't want to worry about a body that's bigger than than this one. Can we make sure we have clothes that fit right now so that we can create safety, that we can get to our jobs, that we can do things, that we can live life? That is just one small, unsexy part of the process that we can do to begin to build a peaceful relationship with our body. We can also explore why does it activate me? every time that I my my seasonal clothes don't fit when we could do a body image timeline what is the first age I remember it being unsafe for my body to change what would adult me say to that little girl whose body changed and felt shame of like actually no your body is supposed to be changing and even if it's not you are still loved and and worthy of love and clothing like that's not even an issue we could also explore um maybe and i used to do this i don't know if, if either if any of you used to do this i would like buy clothes that are like on the cusp of just being too small so then every year i would get into these clothes and they wouldn't fit whereas now all my clothes fit because i buy the right size um i don't i don't you know oh like it was like a little bit snug but it fit no i'm buying clothes that actually fit me and what this does, right, if we want to talk about acceptance, is I have a closet full of clothes that make me feel good. I have a closet full of clothes that I am like, this is my style. I love my clothes. Yes, I can acknowledge being a large fat person who is in the higher ends of plus sizes. It is harder for me to be able to find clothes that fit my body and buy them with ease. And I still have a closet full of clothes that I absolutely love that make me feel good. Both things can be true at the same time. It's such an important thought, Brie. And I always share with my clients the analogy that I learned from you actually about the rug burn and how, or like I call them paper cut clothes of like yeah. those clothes in your closet that don't fit. And every time you go in there and try to put wear them it's like getting a paper cut each day yeah. right and then like it every time all day long it festers and before you know it it's like a big wound to your yeah. body image every day so I learned that from you and share it all the time but one thing that I wanted to ask you is you mentioned a moment ago that two people could be having similar body image struggles but the core belief is different and therefore yeah. how you address it is different I know what you mean by that, but I think other people may not. Why does it matter? Where, How do core beliefs play into this? And why does it matter for how you move through it? Absolutely. I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that body image is just about your body, but it's not. Body image is about 
the perception you have of your body, but it is also the beliefs and the cognitions you have about your body. And it's the behaviors and the things that you do in correlation. I don't know if anybody here is familiar with the Enneagram. I'm obsessed with my Enneagram. I'm obsessed with values work. And it was the first thing that I had done. Like I had done a bunch of like personality tests, but this one I was like, I am being attacked personally. Like this is directed at me. And so anyway, the Enneagram is just a really great way to find out what motivates you and what like what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. It, it, it It's not foolproof, right? It's not the end all be all. But so I'll take for myself, for example, my core belief might always come down to wanting to people please or to make people happy to secure self-love where somebody else's might come down to safety and and worthiness it mine always comes back to productivity <laughs> mine always comes back to but will i be more lovable if i am x y or z and so the reason it's really important to begin to understand how I am tethered to the world is because then I can figure out, well, this is not actually providing safety. It's like, it's like wearing a seatbelt in a car that has no wheels. Like it's not actually keeping you safe from anything. The car's not, the car's not working. And so what is actually going to provide safety when our body experiences distress because our clothes don't fit? I like to think of it as a fire alarm. The fire alarm is going off, but is the fire alarm working or is it like that scene from friends when it's just going off and she is like, I'm going to break this fire alarm because it's just, it's just annoying me at this point. We don't want to break the fire alarm because it's actually, do, it's, it's trying to do its job. It's just not doing it well. And so I like to see body distress as my body talking to me. I'll give you another quick example. I recently had a non-invasive procedure done and they needed my weight at the hospital and i haven't weighed myself in at least seven five five six seven years i don't know but since i've been in eating sort of recovery as a therapist i stopped weighing myself because trying to figure out what my the number on the scale is will not serve me that's me i have friends who know their weight for me it was always a trap figuring out and knowing my weight was never going to serve me. And so I said, if I need to know, I will cross that bridge. But if I don't need to know, then I'm going to let that go. They needed to know. And so I said, is there any chance you could just make sure you don't let me know? She said, no problem. And so the act of being weighed for her to get my weight so they could give me anesthesia was not as triggering as normally going to the doctor. I probably would have just avoided going to the doctor, going to get a procedure because I wouldn't have wanted to get on the scale and get my weight. And so there's, this is where I call, these are still sticky and tender parts. Maybe at some point I will be ready to explore and highlight, okay, well, how much do I weigh? And is there any story? It does not serve me right now. I'm like, there are so many other things I'd like to process. I don't have the spoons for that. I would much rather figure out, you know, uh, I had just recently done a live that maybe we can put in the show notes. I hot seat coached myself through uh, my own core belief wound. Um, I had recently traveled. I had brought, I brought 20 people to Costa Rica on a fat positive, body positive, body image trip. It was phenomenal. And I was in the airport and I, I was struggling and the air tram was down 
And there was somebody walking by and they were like, do you want a wheelchair? And I was like, nope. And the reality in my head was like, why are you saying no? And so I knew there's something sticky about ableism, about, uh, you know, strength of like wanting to be a strong fatty, wanting to be a capable fat person. And so I was like, this, this is probably something much more worth me exploring then why I don't want to see the number on the scale because I know there's been so much trauma so in that live I literally bring you through exactly how I work with my clients when we have a surface level issue and getting to that core belief thank you we'll definitely link to that that sounds like an incredible resource that somehow I must have missed that when you put it up okay so I have one more question and I'm I don't sure my co-hosts have others as well, perhaps, but why do you think grief is so integral to the process? And what about people who worry about getting stuck there? Yeah, I think that grief, it sucks. (laughs) Like just think about on a daily basis, like how many things cause us grief. And then I want you to think about, I, and I do this inside of my, my provider program where I'll ask my providers in my body image bootcamp, I'll say, I want you to think about having a no good, very bad, rotten day. Like just everything that goes wrong. Like my day the other day, I locked myself out of my car. Like I, it's just everything that could go wrong could. And then I want you to think about the worst absolute possible thing someone could say to you. Like at least, you know, you know, at least you have a, a great life. Or, you know, if you're struggling with your, your body image after a kid, at least you have a kid, right? It's those silver lining sympathy that just misses the mark. And sometimes what I find is that people just need the space to say, this sucks and I'm upset about it. With no judgment, with full permission, I'm going to say the scary part out loud. And what I find is that when we create space for permission to say the part out loud, it actually moves us through the grief process. But when we don't, when we're like, it's fine, I don't care, it's not a big deal, what happens is we stuff it down. And it's almost like taking a beach ball, holding it under the water. What happens? Eventually that beach ball is going to pop up. And it usually pops up at really inopportune times. Like, Okay, you're you avoid pictures and you don't want to be taken in photos. So you're going out with friends. It's fine. Nope, I don't want to be in the photo. That is a recourse you can take. Now somebody asks you to be in their wedding party and now you have to be in photos. Now you have no choice but to deal with the grief. And so what my solution is, is let's dig through the grief in a way that feels good and safe and aligned to our nervous system, not unpacking the things that don't feel safe. I'm not unpacking why I don't want to be weighed. I know it's activated, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna contain that. I'm gonna use my resources and say, nope, I just need to get through this moment and I'm gonna be fine. But not wanting to get a wheelchair in the airport, that's sticky. I don't want to be stuck here. This keeps coming up. What skills can I use to uncover why this belief keeps coming up is it actually serving me and what do i need to do to move forward and i'll be honest so even as i get to the end of that live i don't know if the next time i go to the airport if i will ask for a wheelchair that doesn't mean that like oh pop (laughs) it's not a light switch it doesn't mean that all of my body image wounds are healed all it means is i've massaged out a piece of it 
we get two choices. You avoiding the suck is not avoiding the suck. You are putting the beach ball underwater. If you get into the suck of your body image and you're finding that you're stuck, that is information that maybe this is something that's better contained than explored. The autonomy gets to come back to you of, wait, I don't actually have to explore this if I don't want to. I, I don't have the research for it. If I'm ever, I have a mirror in my office. If I'm ever distracted by my reflection in the mirror, I'm not like, let's sit and figure out why I'm feeling. I'm like, oh, I am noting that I'm feeling, I'm noticing my reflection. I move the mirror, but I know that I have to come back to it at some point. I know, okay, this is going to keep coming up if I don't explore what's going on. That's great. Brie, I have one more question for you. What are some of like the action items that people can do to like do the work of improving their body image and sitting in body grief? Yeah. Again, super unsexy. And like, I, I apologize for that. Like, I wish, I wish this process was sexier. And this is the mistake I see a lot of people do is they're like, I want to do the sexy things. Like I want to wear the bikini on the beach. I want to, you know, I want to do this really activating body image exposure. And then what happens then their nervous system takes over and they're like, this is not safe abort. Like we can't do this. So if it were me, what I would do is I would start with a grief list. I would start by writing down all of the things where you notice body image interfering in your way in things that you want to do. Is your body image holding you back from going for seconds at your family party? Is your body image holding you back from booking that flight because you don't want to have to ask for a seatbelt extender? Is your body image holding you back from going to the gym, right? You, you, you know, Terry, you mentioned that you, you're at the gym. There were years I avoided going to the gym because I didn't want to be judged for being a fat person at the gym. What thought or body image story is holding you back? And then the other thing I would do, the second part of that, is I would scale the distress low, medium, or high, or a scale of one to 10. How distressful is it? Is avoiding the gym like a three? Okay, let's work through it. That's an easy, we got to find the small win. We got to find the small tangible win. That is much easier to start with than the 10 of, or the eight of, I don't want to, I don't want to ask for a wheelchair at the airport. I don't want to know my weight. Don't start with those. Don't start with the most activating thing. And as uh, as a therapist, like I have this toxic trait of like, okay, like let's just let's pick the hardest one and like figure it out. But it's almost like the analogy I use is like body image work is like cleaning out your attic. It would be very counterintuitive to just take everything in the attic, dump it all out, and be like, okay, let's sort through it. Why would we do? No, we would not do. That. I'm overwhelmed just thinking about that. Let's look at the buckets. Let's see what buckets are there. Let's pick which bucket is the lightest that we don't need support to go through. Let's figure out which buckets keep reappearing of like, hey, can we consolidate these buckets? As somebody who is ADHD, I hate organizing. I don't enjoy it very much. So I can sort through of what's something fast and quick and easy I can work through on my own to get that small win. What do I need support with? What do I need a collaborator with? our collaborator to help me move through this. That's so relatable to me because I hear people all the time at the gym 
say, this is such a scary place. It took me months to even come in here. You know, frequently people will thank me for like making the gym less scary because they walk into the gym and see a personal trainer that kind of looks like them. And they're like, wait a minute, what? (laughs) You guys aren't all like jacked and juicy. You look like a normal human. (laughs) So I I very much relate to that. Yeah. Jacked and juicy is my new favorite phrase. Bree, thank you so much for being here with us today. So much good info. I wrote notes, a lot of them, even though you th- you said there it wasn't you know, maybe noteworthy. <laughs> I have a lot of them in case, you know, you didn't think that was possible. I'm very uh, thank um, you. But from my end, um, some of my takeaways are it's okay to grieve and to notice that grief can also include your relationship with your body. Um, acceptance doesn't mean that you have to love it. That one stayed with me. And I I think it's very important. Choose your heart. If things are going to be hard, maybe choose a heart that brings more benefit to you and the relationship with you than anything else. Um, Have available clothes that fit you right now. (laughs) And Notice how you treat yourself and talk to yourself, that reality test, if this is how you would um, treat someone you care for. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. How can people find you? Instagram, website, how can they learn more about you? Yeah, I would say the best way to find me and to figure out how to work with me right now would be to go to my Instagram. I'm on way too much and all the time. Um, but I love, I love connecting and teaching and all of the things that we've talked about here. I have podcast episodes that reference it. And I talk all the time on my Instagram about, I work with both providers who want to do better for their clients and body grievers. And so if, folks want to give me a follow and reach out I would love to tell you how how I can work with you and support you thank and you we so will much have it in the show notes but if you could add your handle just even if we have it down so people listening can yes my handle for Instagram my handle is body image with Brie Brie you were mentioning that you have a really awesome freebie for people that you are just finishing up brand new so can you tell everyone what it is and how they can find it Absolutely. So one of the things that people always ask me for is they're like, Bree, what are your best tips? And I hate tips because I think it just kind of dilutes this work into, you know, something that, it, you know, like bite-sized pieces. But I said, you have asked, I'm going to provide. So I have created a jam-packed freebie called uh, Bree's top seven body image steps from body grief to body acceptance. I break down the seven steps that I would recommend a client go through in wading into their own body grief. Each step in the freebie is linked to a podcast episode that I've done. So if you want even more like education and learning on it, you'll get all of that inside of this freebie. It also comes with tangible steps, journal prompts. It's jam-packed. I'm going to give y'all a link so that you can put it in the show notes for folks to follow along. It's going to be a great resource for folks. Awesome. That sounds amazing. Thank you so much. We will definitely link that in the show notes.
Well, I am one of those providers who has worked with you personally. It is invaluable. I love you. I love the work you're doing. And there, I'm like Maria, there's so many takeaways from today that I know are just really, really going to be helpful for people. So thank you for coming and joining us, Bree. Thanks for having me. And thank you for your kind work, Elizabeth. I love working with you. And, and this has been such an honor to talk to talk with all of you. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for coming. Thank you for listening. If you want to connect with me outside of this podcast, you can find me on Instagram at coaching underscore therapist. I'm Elizabeth. You can find me at Elizabeth Harris Nutrition or in my Facebook group, Health and Healing with Intuitive Eating. And I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Tara DeLeon Fitness. Guys, if you loved this episode or any of our other episodes, we would love it if you would leave us a review on Apple Podcast. It really, really helps us get the non-diet word out to the rest of the world. So please leave us a review. Yes, thank you.